0: Now, although this podcast is aimed at really anyone who loves food and drink, it has a natural slant towards people who work in or around hospitality. And if you listen to these conversations regularly, you'll have noticed that certain issues keep cropping up. So as well as chatting about these issues and trying to get people to think about them when choosing where to spend their money, it's pretty awesome to also be able to give some advice as to how, as an industry, we work together to resolve them. And one way we can do this is to meet up at shows and listen to speakers or brainstorm ideas. So in this episode, we're going to look at some of those issues and touch on what topics are going to be discussed at the independent hotel show later this month. For example, words like craft, artisan and boutique have been borrowed by big. Bigger brands giving the impression that they are as bespoke as the little guy but actually if you listen to some of my chats with people like Joel from Bad Hand Coffee or maybe Pete from Bakehouse 24 or even Claire from Chococo you'll realize they really are not. Online travel agencies also known as OTAs in the trade are another one. They're great when you want to book a trip or a room with a couple of clicks but tough for the small hotels at the other end who pay big in commission. And then there's TripAdvisor, don't even get me started. Instead, let's meet Miranda Martin, who runs the Independent Hotel Show, which takes place in Olympia, London on Tuesday the 15th and Wednesday the 16th of October. And if you're inspired or maybe even irritated by any of the topics in this conversation, you can dive deeper by popping along to the show yourself, or I'm sure we'll be touching on many of these topics again in future episodes of the podcast. Sign up for my weekly newsletter so you don't miss any at humansofhospitality.co.uk. But for now, please enjoy my chat with Miranda. Miranda Martin, thank you so much for sparing the time to join me on the podcast. Uh, As is customary, can you just explain where on planet Earth are we, please? (laughs) I'm in a little cupboard somewhere.
1: (laughs) Thanks very much, Mark. Um, Hello, everybody. My name's Miranda. I run the Independent Hotel Show, and Mark has kindly invited me to join his program today to talk about the spirit of independence in the hotel industry. Uh, We are in London. We're... In Manchester Square just behind Selfridges. Yeah cool
0: and you've kicked some poor man out of his <laughs> office. Yes to, we're, uh, under,
1: we're undergoing a renovations in our office so we are in a makeshift cupboard slash office space I, to get some peace and quiet. Yeah
0: I've done these podcasts in literally in packing rooms in what feels like cupboards in in <laughs> fields I was telling you before surrounded by cows and all over the place but uh, thank you for finding us somewhere quiet. So um, we're going to chat all about the uh, the show that you've got coming up in in uh, not too not, not too long in a couple of weeks um, but before we do that there's There's so much going on in the country in the kind of political landscape, the business landscape. It's quite a turbulent time. I'm not going to mention the B word too early in this conversation, but that's all going on as a backdrop. What's your feeling for what's going on in the independent hospitality sector? Does it feel like it's growing? You know, is it tough times? What's the general vibe out there from your experience?
1: I think it's a mixed bag. I mean, in the last 10 years we've we've been running the show for it'll be our 8th year this October. And in the last 10 years the hotel industry has just boomed in the UK. You know, we we see it differs each year, but we've seen, you know, significant growth most years since we launched the show in 2012, and I think specifically in London the hotel, the size of the industry has grown forty one percent in the last ten years. So that's a big, you know, increase. This, this is the
0: independent sector or just hotels in general? Uh, this
1: is hotels in general. Right. Yeah, okay. um, a lot of that has come from kind of you know budget and chains. But equally, I think where we've seen a lot of development is in you know, unique properties, because you might have noticed um, that a lot of the bigger chains have kind of launched boutique brands in recent years. So there's clearly a demand amongst consumers for an amazing experience. And I think as consumers of hospitality, specifically hotels, um, the world has slightly moved away from wanting that kind of cookie cutter chain experience. Um, so we've seen, you know, the, the growth of these more independent collections that are actually chains, but they're clearly taking their inspiration from the trailblazers and the pioneers who are those in the independent sector.
0: Okay. Do you think that, so this has come up a few times actually, where I've interviewed craft gin makers or mm. craft beer makers or uh, all, all these kind of little niches that seem to be having a resurgence. Uh, and I, and I, it's been interesting actually getting people's opinion on whether the uh, the big chains, the big guys coming in and almost using the same word because nobody's um, copyrighted the word. Boutique or copyright the word craft. Do you think it's creating an opportunity or a challenge?
1: Um, Yeah, interesting question. When we launched the show in 2012, we went through that whole process of what actually qualifies a boutique hotel. And you're absolutely right. There is no qualifying criteria. Um, We we really focus on capturing an, an essence and we really focus on championing that spirit of independence and words that come up Within that are things like authenticity, um, unique experiences, personality, human connections, things like that. And I think with the bigger groups and chains, they can create an attempt at, you know, recreating those things in places that might look like they have unique kind of um, elements to them, particularly around design and that sort of thing. But... Personally, I I feel like it it cannot be recreated on that sort of scale. I think that, you know, once you get over... Something like ten, you know, maybe ten properties or something like that. You lose control over that kind of charm and that character.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I was chatting to um, Joel from Bad Hand Coffee uh, on about this topic specifically, and I hadn't really realized. I, I kind of got annoyed by the big brands trying to kind of you know butt in and, and copy. And he said, actually, you know, that it, specifically in coffee, I suppose, and a few other industries have said this is that quite often it's a it's a lead in, it's a gateway in. So uh, people will try the the, the big branded coffee, uh, become a little bit more interested in premium coffee compared to compared to your kind of you know your instant and actually it's a stepping stone so mm. i wouldn't be surprised maybe if in the hotel sector it's the same if, if you're registered or you're on the mailing list of one of the big brands you find they've got a slightly quirkier, smaller independent group maybe it's a stepping stone to uh, to then actually get doing some research and going hey actually i quite like a hotel with a little mm. bit more personality than just a big branded one i am the deluded optimist miranda so i have to <laughs> well i to... would
1: i would like to agree with you i'd yes. be inclined to hope that that was what happens in real life <laughs>
0: Yeah. one of the other things um that i noticed so you, you know you've got a real uh, broad selection I suppose of topics that you're looking at in the show um, and, and something that's come up historically is this the the impact of the online booking platforms and the OTAs and stuff like that uh, do you think that's changed in the last 10 years and and is it you know have we gone through the worst bit is it now being seen as an opportunity what sort of stuff's being discussed
1: it's a subject that comes up every single year in different formats at the show um, when we launched the show in 2012 we were almost at the beginning of this kind of boom in online, you know, travel agents and bookings, systems and whatnot. Um, I remember that was around the time when we launched that Mr. And Mrs. Smith became this really cool, you know, the place to go to look to book your boutique hotel and That's not right. even book, I don't think, but find your boutique hotel. And it, it was an amazing aggregator. Um, since then, you know, the market has changed an awful lot. And I, I know that when the OTAs came onto the scene, It was difficult because it meant that independents found it suddenly very difficult to compete in what wasn't a level playing field anymore. There have been many different kind of presentations on the subject. And ultimately, back in the day, a hotelier, an independent hotel may have spent, you know, X thousand pounds on print advertising in a magazine or in a newspaper or something like that now they pay something similar, perhaps, I don't know the numbers, towards commissions for a booking platform. So although it is, it is difficult for independent hoteliers and it's an ongoing conversation and there's been a lot of resistance to the OTAs in the industry, I think the OTAs are becoming smarter in their service towards the hoteliers in terms of the added value things that they're offering. So trying to create stories around some of the properties that they're promoting and that sort of thing. I think there are elements of them trying to do that. I'm not sure they all do it very well, Um, but they're certainly trying to get better at serving their customers. But I think hoteliers do need to kind of face up to the reality of we are in a different age. People you know, book online in a totally different way than, than they used to 10 years ago. Mm. And it's kind of part of the modern marketing mix. Yeah.
0: I don't think the consumer often realises, I guess, how much is being charged. It's the same to be fair in the in, in the home delivery, with deliver, Deliveroo and Uber Eats and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's quite often, 20% obviously goes to the VAT man straight away anyway, and then it's often 20% to the OTA. So 40% of what you're paying is going elsewhere. So, uh, you know, personally with my own hotel, the motivation is always there to try and get people to book direct. A part of the things that you, you talk about in these presentations is that one of the objectives of I suppose the the thing is are we fundamentally just embracing them and saying look we've got to work with them let's do it or are we fundamentally saying you need to be really clever in trying to get people to bypass them and book direct
1: at the show it's all about improving the individual hotels website systems practices to try and increase their their direct bookings and it's about um revealing to them you know, strategies that they can implement that mean they get more return business, that they drive people to their website through social media, things like that, that that where they can kind of compete on a more level playing field. You know, I'm not saying that we just kind of suck it up and embrace them at all. I think that what we can do as a show is bring together experts and hoteliers who've had great success in driving direct bookings. And Mm -hmm. we we always have sessions on that at the show with kind of real-time practical advice that hoteliers can take home and do immediately to try and improve that. But, you know, on the flip side... It is a kind of reality that the industry faces. Yeah,
0: you haven't probably got the same budget as Google in your independent no hotel, or I suppose, Booking.com or whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah, they are. Um, I, I'm interested to see if the government starts to regulate. I suppose they've been talking about it more and more mm. because it, it, I think when it's most irritating as a hotelier is when you type in the, the actual name of your own hotel and then the first four or five sponsored ads are from all of the OTAs that have jumped on in front of you, even if people are specifically searching. Uh, for your ad, uh, but I get it from a from a consumer perspective. It is just a damn sight easier if if you regularly use a certain you know booking engine, and they've already got your card details, and they've already got your address, and it becomes a one click booking process and then they give you points and all this kind of stuff it's incredibly difficult to fight the big, the biggest thing for me and the reason I have these conversations is I just hope that if you educate the consumer and they realize how much of that money is going to some offshore kind of you know corporation uh, maybe in Silicon Valley then maybe they'll go bypass it and support that that little independent family who are grafting trying to run their uh, their hotel so
1: well it's absolutely you know things like what you're doing Mark where you're really Championing the stories of the hoteliers and their families, and you know the stories around the hotel that will engage people on a human level. I think consumers want a user experience that is super easy, as you've just said. But they're also, you know, they also have hearts, and where they're they're captured, yeah, captured by stories, that does drive behaviour. So it is about how. What we what we strive to do is help hoteliers make sure that their story really represents who they are and what they are and their essence and how special they are and what they're doing and why it's different. And then we give them the tools through the sessions around, mar- you know, the marketing sessions and that sort of stuff so that they know how to best get those out there into the digital sphere, as yeah, it were.
0: perfect. No, amazing. We'll come to some of the specifics around the hotels that you're supporting um, shortly to, to bring to life some of those stories. Before we do that, I've got one other the sort of ranty subject, I suppose, that we've got to touch on. Because, again, I think you're turning over it. Is it called turning TripAdvisor from foe to friend? So apart from the OTAs, TripAdvisor is probably the other one as a sector that we all rant about I don't think they've got too many friends in the hotel world what's that about and what's uh, what's the, your kind of general experience over the last decade of TripAdvisor is it something that comes up a lot is it another popular session
1: uh it's definitely a popular session <laughs> I laugh because when we whenever we get OTAs um on the stage at the show it, it Well, it has historically often turned into an OTA bashing session with our audience of hoteliers, you know, challenging and questioning as they would. Um, So you
0: bring TripAdvisor in so there's someone even more unpopular. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. They're not a sponsor, are they?
1: They're 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 not not anymore. It's not pay to play to speak (laughs) at the show. Um, No, I think. I think what we need to do with that sort of a session is—I mean, there's so much stuff in the press recently about how TripAdvisor have taken down—I don't—I know I don't want to quote the wrong number here, but however many millions yeah, of lot, false reviews yeah, that. or something yeah. like that—it's—it's yeah. it's not regulated. Yeah, is I it? think was the, so, big, the
0: biggest problem with TripAdvisor, I think, compared to cause reviews, are inevitability about our sector. I could rant about this for a long time. I was chatting <laughs> to Michael Bremner a couple of weeks ago. as a chef down in Brighton. He wrote, he won the uh, Great British Menu, and he he went off for about ten minutes about uh just the you know people's dinner is never that important that they need to be so rude and go off and rant on, on TripAdvisor and be quite so offensive um, but it seems to be a part of our industry that the, the, but at least with uh, with Google and Facebook and some of the other reviews you have to use your own name so it's your profile it's linked to so as a restauranteur you can go and engage in conversation the issue with TripAdvisor a lot of the time is it's somebody anonymous and therefore the only place you can speak with them is, is speaking to some random anonymous name on a platform and then they, they, they have a reputation for being particularly rubbish at uh, uh, allowing you to kind of uh, argue with some of the points that are made on there and take them down and stuff like that. So but again, I imagine it's a particularly well attended session at the show.
1: Yeah, it is. And the idea is that we get someone in for TripAdvisor from TripAdvisor to talk to our hotelier guests about the best way to manage their reputations on TripAdvisor. That's okay. the kind of you know, yeah. So practical advice. Of it. Yeah. Exactly. I'm
0: definitely coming. I'm in. Yay. Um, <laughs> and then another theme that crops up across the sector, I guess, is around uh, recruitment. So hospitality has a, um, a reputation, or has certainly historically had a reputation around being a kind of a stopgap or students or, or something. Yeah, something you do in between uh, jobs. Again, over the last ten years, would you say that it's gaining momentum um, and recognition as actually being a long-term career?
1: I think again, that's a really ongoing conversation. I do think, as the hospitality outlets, I don't really like to call them that, but um, the different types of kind of hospitality that we see now are becoming so kind of progressed. They're very, they're much more kind of lifestyle um, extensions, as it were. Um, I think with that sort of thing, where you're really bringing experiences to life, and it's not necessarily just heads on beds environment or um, somewhere where you go and pick up food, but there's so many kind of themes and, and so much personality coming through in a lot of these um, hospitality outlets. I think that then attracts a certain type of people. I think what you do get in hospitality is truly passionate people, people. And I've worked in lots of industries doing events and, and we I used to work on uh, fashion week and art fairs and things like that. And the hospitality industry is full of amazing, nice, good people. Um, and I think we don't do enough to shout about that, about it being a kind of joyful industry where you get to connect and be on, you know, in human contact with people all the time. I think people are so different, aren't they? And there's different things for different people. But certainly when I go to events for our industry, when people come to the Infinite Hotel Show, the buzz of the people in the room is is positivity and excitement and passion and, you know, it's, it's a special industry for a type of person. I think we are, as an industry, lobbying to government with the help of UK hospitality to increase apprenticeships and get more people flowing through the industry because it's one of, hospitality is one of the, and tourism is one of the biggest kind of economic drivers this country has to offer. Um, And we should be doing more to encourage people into it. But I do think that the establishments individually have a responsibility to create a better kind of brand of recruitment as well. I think that's something that we try to help with at the show each year as well, which is talk about how you can attract the type of staff that you want through your recruitment brand and what that looks like practically and job specs and, you know, the training and the benefits that you offer to your staff and the flexibility and things like that. So it's about communicating what you have as an operator within this industry that would appeal to uh, potential employee employees.
0: Mm. I think it's difficult when you're when you're in the sector because the observation, certainly in the kitchen with chefs over the last few years, is, is a huge change in the culture in the kitchen. So from historically a uh, you know eighty ninety if not hundred hour week windowless boxes, quite an angry kind of environment, and now you're seeing you know chefs down to work in a four day week. Um, you know just just kind of yeah, saying that, that there's really no excuse for people to be managed in a disrespectful fashion. So it. it Feels like I'm, I'm probably motivated by a bit of a shortage of chefs in the industry. Um, I've always found it contradictory that we spend so much of our time looking after people having anniversaries, having birthdays, having special social occasions, time away with family. Yet behind the scenes, the team are often you know, working double shifts and uh, you know working every weekend and not getting the time to spend with their family. Inside the sector, it feels like we've, um, we're have we recognising that now and trying to work harder to achieve it again. Would you say that that sort of come across? Because um, you must have seen a lot of trends in a, in a decade of this.
1: I know some stories of unique properties. So, for example, at Ham Hotel, uh, one of the Firmdale hotels, who actually were one of our award winners a few years ago, um, they have an amazing recruitment policy and, and kind of HR policy, I suppose. And they really, really look after their staff and they're very flexible and they're great at, you know, mothers returning to work, looking after them properly and that sort of thing. And there are lots of individual examples within particularly the independent sector where you really see that people care you know, they're humans and they really care about their people and they are people themselves and they are, it's that kind of passion thing. And in those smaller propositions, there's often much more flexi- flexibility and, and more open kind of dialogue about what people want and kind of curating the culture to retain staff, to make people happy and that sort of thing. I think, you know, I know less about the bigger brands and chains and. You know, it must be more difficult to implement processes across that kind of scale, of course. But um, I think people are wising up to the fact that if they want to attract good people into this industry, employers are wising up. If they want to attract good people into this industry, they need to make it an attractive place to work. Mm. And so they are looking at the way that, you know, what people want in the modern world. You know, the way that the time that they need to be with their families, as you say.
0: Yeah. So we we touched on this before we started chatting, but uh, Gareth Banner from the N.E.D., the amount of work that those guys do to there's a thousand people who work at the Ned and the level of work they do whether it be the 24/7 kind of uh, restaurant that they've got in-house whether it be the fact that they actually set up a recruitment center overseas to, to kind of you know train people and test people and then bring them to the UK and pay for them somewhere to live for the first couple of weeks um, you know I remember him making a a point that uh, we all moan and complain that there's a lack of staff in in, in our industry um, but actually you know what are we doing what out- of the- box kind of thinking is there to do so yeah anybody who's specifically interested also go and listen to to the gareth banner uh, podcast on here um so all of these sessions seem to have this idea of, uh, of of really getting the industry to to talk to each other to share experience again you touched on it just now but i think we are a sector where we're, it's full of such lovely people that we you know we do like to help each other out the, the slightly cliched line of all boats are lifted on a rising tide it's kind of good for all of us was that one of the motivations for the show being set up was it about creating an environment for the for the industry to share its kind of journey and its stories
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're events people, but what our events do is that they serve communities and they bring communities together. And I, I've been, you know, working on the independent hotel show since its inception in 2011. I've been within the industry or serving the industry, let's say for eight years. And within that time have really, you know, got to know a lot of people in the community quite intimately and really immersed myself in the industry, and. Ultimately, there's a lot of independent hoteliers out there who are operating in isolation, particularly people in, you know, regional parts of the UK because the show is is a UK audience. Um, And the show really provides an opportunity for people to get together in one place, to have conversations they would never normally have, to meet like-minded people, share real experiences, ask questions, you know, share challenges and get... um, answers from people who might have gone through similar, you know, processes. And it's a really collegiate industry. And, you know, certainly the people who come to the show are the people who are obviously keen on finding out what's happening with the industry, you know, learning from other operators, learning from other um, professionals within the industry. And they're the ones who want to stay up to date with the trends and want to, you know, be part of it. I think those who are operating on their own, very difficult to stay up to date with stuff. And the internet is extremely helpful for all sorts of things, but it's also a minefield. (laughs) Um, I certainly wouldn't be able, I, I find it hard enough to kind of choose, you know, a restaurant to go to or whatever it might be when I have 10 options on a page. I'd much prefer a personal recommendation or to hear a story about something. Like for me, that human connection when when you're all in the same industry it, cre- it just creates you know amazing opportunities
0: yeah so touching on there almost a, a point of trust, I suppose, and the fact you're absolutely right. It's uh, if you're a huge multinational company, big budgets, you can probably be flown all the way around the world to look at hotel trends and what's happening globally. Um, I think it's great that you create an environment uh, for the smaller sector because obviously the point of this this podcast is about the humans, not the brands of hospitality, and it's what I love. So I think it's you know super exciting that that you do it and you create that environment. Does that mean that you also curate the kind of the exhibitors and the partners and the people that you work with that reflect? The values of that independent sector, is there a certain... Because you, you talk about being a trusted source, I suppose, so rather than just Googling it, if they're at the show, does that mean that they probably share some of your ethos and values? Or?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would. We certainly curate the, the, the show's content. So it's made up of about 350 companies from across the hotel supply chain um, and I would say probably... F- of those are made up of companies from the design community. And um, that's because, you know, what we're trying to offer our hoteliers is solutions to help them stand out from the competition or, um, you know, make, make changes that will make a difference to their guests. You know, it's ultimately about how they are perceived by their guests. So, um, design is a very easy way for them to kind of quickly make changes and implement things and create a feeling, um, as people kind of walk into a property that, um, you know, differentiates them. So certainly design is, curated based on its value to our hoteliers so little products and little touches that make all the difference and we also have um the amenities so we have a little company called Bramley who do organic soaps and things for the you know for the bathrooms um made in the UK and we we love championing those kind of smaller independent brands because it's certainly in keeping with what a lot of our audience are looking for and the kind of Feeling that they're trying to create in their hotel. And actually, small hotels might not think of themselves as a brand, but they sort of are in a way. And the partners and suppliers that they work with have to fit with their brand. And often it's those kind of smaller companies who do unique products and don't sell to the big chains, you know, that fit better with their kind of feeling. Um, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah.
0: Well, I think it's all about the stories, really, isn't it? I think to, to stand out as a, either as an independent restaurant or as an independent hotel, you've got your own personal story that you're trying to tell, but it would be certainly ironic if, if you're then... Uh, yeah, using kind of you know huge brands. So in, in you know, just thinking about behind the bar, but having that local gin, having mm. those local beers, you know behind the, the, the behind the restaurant, you know where your meats from, where your eggs from. Um, I guess if you're telling people the way to compete with the big players on on a sort of national or international stage, you want to be backed up by the companies that can help them do that on on a day to day basis. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about the nitty gritty stuff that kind of is uh, is challenging the industry at the moment. But I know you've got another section of the show which is all about looking towards. The future, Um, the conscious bedroom was something that jumped out as a a session example. Do you know what on earth that is?
1: We have been aware of sustainability opportunities within the hospitality sector for a long time, but to be perfectly honest, a lot of them are expensive. You know, to implement and the nature of. hospitality hotels specifically is that they're not naturally very sustainable because of short stays and big turnover of you know rooms Mm, needing to be changed and lawn uh, yeah, yeah exactly all that sort of stuff um it's really come into the consumer world in a massive way you know environmental consciousness responsibility um and now that that has happened the industry needs to listen you know all industries need to listen and it's a global trend you know that's that we're hearing everywhere it is the kind of i would say the biggest trend of Eugene. recent yeah. months yeah
0: in the in the news this week the un climate change you know there's yeah. this there's left right and center isn't there so yes yeah, so absolutely
1: great. so what we're doing is we understand the challenges of hotels going from being non-sustainable to totally sustainable overnight. It's near impossible. But what we've done is we've um, uh, undergone some consumer research uh, into the trends around consciousness and sustainability and that sort of thing. Uh, We've created a report based on the feedback from that. And the conscious bedroom will be installed at the show with our design partners, Harrison Harris, um, and with another partner, Crichton. So the idea is that it's a bedroom at the show which uses kind of natural materials, sustainably sourced materials, and there are little touches throughout that. There are actually things that can be implemented immediately and easily into hotels without necessarily costing the earth. And it'll be almost like a kind of science museum exhibit where you can go in and you interact and and. There's a narrative around the products used and the decisions made and the design and that sort of thing, so that you, as a hotelier, can understand how you could perhaps put that into your business. We know that hotels aren't going to suddenly refurb their entire property to be, you know, totally sustainable immediately, but we're offering little solutions that can make a difference now. And if everybody makes one little difference. You know, that's how we get the ball rolling. I think
0: it's about trajectory, isn't it? In all of our lives, you know, we can't make instantaneous uh, changes. Um, but bit by bit by bit, I think we can make an improvement. Funny enough, actually, um, uh, Andrew Stephen, uh, who's the CEO of the Sustainable Restaurant Association, uh, the podcast goes out this Sunday or in in the past, probably by the time this one gets released. But then we you know dive deep into, yeah, changing the, the restaurant industry and the hotel industry have a really exciting opportunity i think to trailblaze a little bit particularly on on kind of you know food and, and and farming and where our food comes from because we should know more about that than the average consumer walking down the street because it's our trade it's what we do so we have an opportunity i think to uh, to educate as well as provide service but it's it's challenging um, you've also got a session on the dark art of digital um, i think my experience of the independent hotel trade is that digital's hard because it moves so fast. So, you know, there's always a new app or a new piece of tech or a new booking engine or a new, you know, how to get into your room or what to put on your telly and all this kind of stuff. And by the time you've invested in it and designed it, it's gone out of fashion. And again, if you're a big chain, it must be great to develop your own app that rolls across your 200 uh, hotel estates. But in the independent sector, that must be a huge challenge. What sort of things get discussed there? And
1: To be perfectly honest, I think the hotel industry and this terrible generalization, the independent hotel industry is one of the slower industries to kind of catch on in terms of data and technology and that sort of thing. So at the show, we have lots of companies who have innovations in technology who form part of the exhibitor makeup. But we also have topics, talks like this session, The Dark Art of Digital, to help educate hoteliers on how they can utilize the tools that are out there for them to improve their websites, improve their customer journeys, you know, booking experiences, um, increase direct bookings, all that sort of stuff. I'm not very techie savvy. So uh, we actually have a, a director of digital marketing within the company. It's a new role we've just created because we recognize lots of things that you can do within this sector that we're not actually doing and capitalizing on. So the idea is that it reveals the latest in opportunities that you as a business could capitalize on to improve, you know, your efficiency or the way that you market yourselves or whatever it might be. Um, It's basics, to be honest, it's probably more basics than really kind of in-depth details because I think as an industry, particularly with the smaller hotels, that's sort of where we are. And and also the nature of the audience, they're the owners and they're not necessarily... All very, very super techy people. They're yeah. more people, people.
0: Probably why why we work in hospitality. <laughs> yeah, and why we like yeah looking people in the eye and doing um, doing customer service. But all too often now, I feel like a, a tech business more than a, a hospitality business. Just thinking in the restaurants, with particularly around data, you know, a lot of our marketing is social media orientated. We you know try and develop a loyalty card, and then it's all about well, how do you capture people's visits? How do you manage those points? How do you reward them for that? How do you communicate with them? GDPR. I could bang on about that for hours. It's a challenge, but I'm glad I'm glad you're covering. Um, so one of the ways that you uh, inspire the sector, I suppose, and really highlight the the trailblazers and the good stuff that's going on is through the rewards side of it. And uh, I think you've got one this year. Is it the Hotel Innovation has replaced the Outstanding New Hotel Award? Is that right? And yes. uh, why is that? And then can you just talk a little bit about the sort of hotels that are on the innovation shortlist?
1: Uh, so the reason we replaced Outstanding New Hotel with Hotel Innovation was because we found that the criteria to qualify an outstanding new hotel was a little bit challenging for us. So where hotels have been refurbed or re-bought or bought, sorry, and then redeveloped or whatever it might be, or changed ownership, they're potentially new concepts, but they have been operating for X number of years or whatever it might be. So it was around criteria and also We, as a show, want to challenge, uh, want to challenge, want to champion innovation in the sector and, you know, really talk about the positive stories um, and people who are doing things amazingly well. And, you know, the kind of aspirational people um, within the sector and, and businesses within the sector. And that's why we chose to highlight innovation instead.
0: Makes sense, I think, doesn't it? There's some beautiful old buildings that have been hotels for hundreds of years, but they need a refurb and a regen, don't they? Um, There's quite a range of different sort of styles on there that have been shortlisted. There's an American-style motel, a restored textile warehouse, a diversified Swinton estate. It's a pretty pretty broad range that you look at. Any specific examples, I suppose, of of past winners or or the guys coming up this year and why they catch your eye?
1: Uh, So... I mean, Molly's Motel, which is one of our shortlisted things, the latest from Nick Jones' Soho House group. That's just a really cool, new and different concept. No one's ever thought of it in the UK before, as far as I'm aware. And I don't know, it's just it's just kind of simple and genius. You know, it's like it's a market that hasn't been tapped into and he's doing it and. I have not been involved in the judging process at all, so I have no idea uh, who's going to win that. But for me, that's something quite cool and unique. Um, past winners, well, Robin Hudson, who you, you I think you've interviewed him. I haven't yet. I've
0: interviewed um, James Golding. Oh uh, yes, yes, yes. Robin, yes, if you're of listening, course. you're on the list. You're coming soon. <laughs> I'm tracking you down.
1: So, uh, Robin, I think you know, with the pig, really was the trailblazer bla- for that kind of pared down luxury thing. A certain at a certain point, uh, what what luxury was came into question. So for for someone like me, the most luxurious thing is comfort, and it's not somebody kind of serving me with white gloves and silver spoons and formality. For me, that's uncomfortable. And I think Robin definitely changed the way that we looked at luxury with his the pig group because they are gorgeous hotels. They're so comfortable. They've got roll top baths in the bedrooms and log fires in them, and you know they're they're beautifully perfect. You know, but they're not traditional luxurious hotels. So yeah. he he started something different there, and, I and think. with
0: Hotel de Van beforehand actually, because that was him yeah. as well. So yeah, uh,
1: yeah, and, absolutely, and Gerard, Gerard
0: Bassett. So with all of these these ones that stand out, I guess it's something about their their ethos or they're doing something different. Do you think that? almost by necessity, needs to come from the independent sector because it's the founders that have this kind of vision or this ethos and and maybe that's different to what the big corporates can pull off.
1: Definitely, definitely. Where there are these unique, you know, themes and where someone like, you know, Robin or even Charlie and... um, Charlie and Justin from Artist Residence they've they've got a few really unique little properties they've got their something that they hang their hat on is that they engage with local artists and they have artists on rotation um, in all their different locations but they're really beautifully designed they're um, relaxed and, and informal but again you know every little detail is is considered um, it's the people who are behind You know, those themes for sure. When it's a big corporation, sure, they may have ideas around what they want to try and create, but it's more contrived and, you know, they have different agendas. But certainly in the smaller groups, it comes from the passion of the people. Yeah. And that trickles down.
0: So, uh, so many of the people in, in this sector as well, uh, Mark and Felicity, I think we're in mineral exploration, Hampton Manor, James and Fiona had worked in the NHS. Um, quite often it seems to be people almost in a, in a sort of, I say later in life, it almost seems like career two or career three. Is that something that comes through that often people have done something else and, and ended up in hospitality rather than going through the traditional kind of college and straight into it route? Would that be a fair observation? Uh,
1: yes, absolutely. I mean, I think there's, there's certainly a mixture, but we do hear about those stories of people who've, you know, packed in their rat race jobs in the city and gone to do what they think will be a kind of slower pace of life and run a lovely little boutique hotel in the country. I think they probably find that the the pace of life maybe slows down but the 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 graft doesn't you know yeah exactly it's it's got its own kind of challenges but um yeah we see lots of those sort of stories so there's a couple who own the cottage in the woods Julia and Nick and Nick used to work in the city I can't remember whether he was finance or a lawyer Julia was a designer and they had enough of you know the city and wanted to get out and they've opened an amazing you know beautiful hotel in Malvern with incredible views and they are so passionate about it and they love it and for them it is certainly career too and it's it's all about passion they went to discover they went to stay in hotels they love staying in hotels I think it's because people go and stay in hotels don't they and they love those experiences and they think gosh I I could do this um, and it's an, a really attractive prospect. But I think, you know, depends where you get, you know, how you find your f- funding at that stage, obviously.
0: Yeah, I think people burn out quicker than they anticipate a lot of times. But some people, it is their destiny. They're born to do it and it works well. But yeah, definitely do your research and go in with your eyes wide open because uh, it's, a, it's a tough little sector. Um, so sounds awesome. Can you remind me the, uh, the dates and the location and where do people go to register?
1: Uh, Yes. So the location is Olympia in London and it's the independenthotelshow.co.uk and the dates are the 15th and 16th of October this year. Okay.
0: Awesome. Um, Do you think there's anything, and we touched on this very briefly just coming to the end, but do you think there's anything that the government should be doing for the sector more than they are? Is there anything that's come up where people look for that kind of uh, government political support?
1: I think the uh, combination or the the merger of the British Hospitality Association and the ALMR recently, that has come about because the industry is really getting together. They've created UK hospitality, really getting together to promote uh, how important hospitality is for the UK economy. And I think we're at, It feels like we're at the beginning of a journey. I think the government are listening now and there have been more breakthroughs now than there have been, you know, before. Uh, But I think certainly continued attempts at making hospitality a more attractive place to work and also, as I said before, kind of apprenticeship schemes and that sort of thing, super important.
0: Have you had any exposure um, to the, the the kind of campaign to reduce VAT in hotels to put us more on a le- level pegging with Europe where they tend to charge, I think it's 5% in France and maybe 8% in Germany, it might be the other way around, but it seems to always be uh, recognised as a, almost as an export and as such an important sector and often with food as well, even in Ireland is different. Has that come up on the agenda? Have you had any past ish speakers with it
1: or? yeah I mean uh, we've had Kate Nichols speak at the show before we had her predecessor Ufi at the British hospitality association's uh, Association speak and yes absolutely it's something that kind of comes up but with regards to our show we are probably more around practical Solutions for hoteliers that they can take home and make differences to their business, kind yeah. of operational more, more stuff. Than campaigning. Yeah, exactly.
0: Perfect. Well, it's uh, it's great that you represent what is such an awesome and exciting sector. So, thanks for doing it. Uh, sounds like a really good place to um, yeah to come and learn about some topics. There definitely, lots of these topics are going to be ones that I do deep dives into. Uh, you know, in the industry as as time goes on. So, the online travel agency reviews they come up all the time. So, we'll do some specific stuff, and maybe we'll do a, a podcast of uh, top tips for people in the industry that can can make some difference as well but it's going to be busy for you in the next few weeks good luck I hope it goes well and thanks for sparing the time to chat
1: thank you very much
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast and remember that on the website humansofhospitality.co.uk every week we put on some show notes and some links through to the various websites or social media that are mentioned and we also do a nice little breakdown of that week's conversations into specific topics so you can jump through the podcast and just listen to some of the highlights if you wish. If you've not done so already if you could leave us a review on iTunes or one of the other podcast players of your choice. That would be hugely appreciated. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll be out with another episode
1: next Monday.